All right, if you have your Bible tonight, you may want to open up. We're in the book of Jude. We'll be there again tonight. We may get a couple of verses in, hopefully, if we are able to get that far. But we are in verse number 17. And so we want to, we want to pick up where we left off last week. If you were here with us last Wednesday night, you know at the very end of the lesson, as we were closing out, I said something about verse number 17. Does anybody remember what I said about verse number 17? We didn't talk about the verse itself. I just said something about it. Anybody remember what I said? All right. I didn't say it was the most, but I said one of the most important verses in all of the Bible. And you say, well, why in the world is verse 17 one of the most important verses in all of the Bible? Well, as we develop what is said here in verse 17, you'll see why I make that statement. Paul has been talking about those men who have uh, disrupted the church. They have taught false doctrine. They, uh, I mean, not Paul, but Jude has uh, talked about all of those things. And, and we're not going to go back through, talk about the loudmouth boasters and all those kind of things. But after having said that, Jude says this, but you must remember, and then he tells them, uh, or calls them beloved, and he said, you must remember the predictions of the apostles of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now I want us to take that verse and break it down tonight, talk about it and see it it in its parts. But as we think about the verse, I want you to think about, first of all, the word remember. The word remember. If I were to ask you tonight, what do we mean when we talk about remembering something, what would you say? Normally we use the word Remember as uh, to, to recollect something, to, to you know, have it brought back into our, our thought process or um, uh, something of that nature. We, we need to be reminded of things sometimes. And there is a word in the original languages, and it's used in the New Testament a number of times, that has to do with that concept of remembering. And I'm not going to, to, to pronounce the word. That doesn't mean a whole lot to, to a lot of folks. I just want you to understand that there's a word that means that. Let's look at two places tonight where that word, not the one that's used here in the book of Jude, but the one that, that normally is the concept that we have uh, of thinking about the word remember. Look at two passages. First of all, look at Matthew chapter 16 at verse number 9. Matthew chapter 16, verse number 9. And so whoever, whoever gets there, you know what we do in this class. Go ahead and just jump in and read it for us so we don't have to wait on you. Matthew 16, verse number 9. Did you not yet perceive, did you not remember the five loaves for the 5,000, how many baskets you gathered? All right, so Jesus is talking to his apostles and uh, there, there are some questions that they ask, and we're not really concerned with that. But notice what Jesus does. He says, don't you remember, and I'm paraphrasing, don't you remember, and it hasn't been all that long since I have done this, don't you remember that day that I took five loaves and two fish and fed 5,000 people, more than 5,000, 5,000 men besides the women and children who were there? Don't you remember that day? Well, that's the way that we use 
remember a lot of times. That's generally, I think, what most people think of. You know, we, we, we have that idea of that event or something of that nature uh, being there. Look at 1 Thessalonians chapter 2 at verse number 9. 1 Thessalonians chapter 2 at verse number 9. And again, uh, this is not the one that's found in the book of Jude, but it's just the concept of the word remember, and I'm just showing a couple of places in the Bible uh, where that concept is used. Okay? Somebody have 1 Thessalonians 2 verse 9? For you remember, brethren, our labor and toil, for laboring night and day, that we might not be a burden to many of you, but we preach to you the gospel of God. All right. Paul is saying to the Thessalonians, don't y'all remember when I was among you? And again, I'm paraphrasing the verse for us. Don't you remember when I was among you what I did? I, I had a job. I worked. I, I, I'm a tent maker. I did those things. I labored night and day among you. I went to your house and I studied with you and I taught you. Don't you remember how things were? And so you see, there are times in the scriptures where that idea of remembering is used. But there's also a word for remember that demands a, a prolonged reminder or a calling to mind or a bearing something in mind that's not just, uh, uh, that you don't just recall, you know, you don't think about it, but it's something that you, you, you have it in your mind and, and it stays there. And, and that's what it seems that Jude is telling us here, uh, that you have something there that, that, that's always there in your memory. It's a, it's a stronger word than what we're looking at in, in these other, other passages. Okay, now let's look at a couple of other places, uh, three to be in, uh, exact, uh, where this word is used. Look at Luke chapter 23 at verse 42. Luke 23 at verse 42. And you should, as you read that, know exactly the story behind what is being said here. Somebody got it? And he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. All right, who said that? Thief, thief hanging on the cross. Remember me when you come into your kingdom. That's a little bit stronger word. Uh, they're both going through agony at this point, and yet uh, the thief doesn't, doesn't want Jesus just to have a casual recollection of him when he, when he gets to his kingdom, when he gets there. He, what, is it, what is the thief wanting him to do when he says, remember? Do what? Save him, yeah. I want you to think enough about me. I want you to have enough, have me on your mind enough that you do something for me. And so it's a stronger word. It's a prolonged word that has to do with, with remembering. Uh, another uh, couple of passages. Look at Acts chapter 10, verse 31. Acts chapter 10, verse 31. When you get there and you read this one, Perhaps it'll be a comfort to you that, that you think about it in uh, this standpoint. Acts 10, verse 31. You may remember Acts 10 is the chapter where Cornelius is converted to Christ. Okay, the Gentile. Who has it? I said, Cornelius, your prayer has been heard, and your alms are remembered in the sight of God. All right, our word is used there. Translated again, remembered. 
but your alms are remembered in the sight of God. Well, that's not that God just happens to think about it, but God actually thinks about it from the standpoint that what is he going to do? Uh, When we give a cup of cold water, Jesus would say it this way, when we give a cup of cold water in the name uh, of our Lord, uh, what what happens? What's the rest of that verse? You shall in no wise lose your reward. Well, why? Because God has that prolonged thought of, of remembering, of knowing what, what we have done here on this earth. And, and so he doesn't, uh, he doesn't neglect us. He, he has that thought in, ever in his mind. And, and here's another one that is, uh, uh, should be uh, helpful to us. Look at Hebrews chapter 8 at verse number 12. This one is from the negative standpoint, but it's the word that Jude uses. Hebrews chapter 8 at verse number 12. For I will be merciful to their right unrighteousness and their sins and their lawless deeds I will remember no more. All right, what does God say about our sins and our evil deeds? Of course, he's talking about the idea of forgiveness in the New Testament. But he will do what? He will remember them no more. Does that mean that he'll never, never have the thought in his mind? No. It means that he doesn't have that prolonged thought like the thief wanted Jesus to have about him when he came into his kingdom. And like the, the, the alms that Cornelius did that were remembered before God, that they were always there. God said, I'm not going to remember your sins. When I forgive your sins, I'm not going to remember your sins in that way. I'm not going to dwell on your sins anymore. Our sins are offensive to God, aren't they? But God says, when you've been forgiven, I'm not going to dwell on them. I'm not going to keep putting them to the forefront of my mind. And that's what Jude and what this word has to do. It is, it's the idea that we put it into our mind and it's to be there and to stay there in our mind. Now, that should mean something to us as, as we are forgiven by God. Sometimes people have a, have a hard time forgiving themselves and they say, well, I, I always remember, and they think about, I think, from the standpoint of that first word, I always remember my sins, but the idea is we don't dwell on them. We don't bear them in our mind. We don't put them in the forefront of our mind and think about them and allow them to rule our life. Now Jude says, I want you, you must remember something here. Okay? But the next thing that I want you to see in this verse is that it's translated in this way, you what, remember? You must remember. Now, if you were reading this, and, and, and the way it's written here in English as well, but if you were written, reading this in the original language, you would know that what we have is this being in the imperative mood. What does that mean? All we need to remember is this. It is a command. It is a command. When, it's, when something is an imperative, it is a command. But it's only one word, 
in the original language. The word must is not there. It's just the word. The, 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 the Greek language is so meticulous that it doesn't have to have as many words sometimes as we have in English to, uh, to, to, to denote a word. It just simply says, you must remember. I mean, that's, that's the one word. It's a command. Okay? Now, anybody remember the quote that's attributed to George Santayana? Those who cannot remember the past are condemned to repeat it. Well, that's not necessarily what Jude is saying here. Jude doesn't want these brethren to just remember the past and what the, what the uh, uh, apostles, as we'll see in just a moment, what they taught. He, he doesn't want them just to do that. He wants them to remember the teaching. He wants them to bear in mind the teaching so that they would not be partakers of the false teacher's doctrine. He wants them to ever have this in their mind so that they don't fall prey to these men who are, who are uh, flattering them, as we talked about last week, and, and, and causing them to, uh, you know, or wanting them to go astray and follow after them and follow after their own lusts. Jude is telling them that, that you are commanded to remember, and again, uh, what the apostles said, what they predicted, and we'll talk about that word in just a minute, so that you won't be partakers. He, he wants them uh, to remember these things. It's imperative, it's a command that they remember these things so that their faith would not be shaken. They see all of this going on and, and they wonder, well, how can this happen in the church? And, and they see the problems and, and Jude confronting them, but he wanted them to remember what the apostles had said, so that their faith wouldn't be shaken. Now, doesn't it happen sometimes in our day and time when perhaps a new Christian sees some difficulties that take place within a congregation and first thing you know, they have left the Lord because they have seen things and their faith has been shaken? Jude says, I want you to remember, there, there's a command for you to remember so that won't happen to you. And then we could add a third thing to it so that they would be assured that God was aware of what was going on and that He would deal with these false teachers accordingly. Isn't that what Jude has been, been talking about? He, he talks about the sin that they had committed and, and the fact that God is going to punish them. And, and again, we, don't, we won't go back through all of the things that he had to say he reminded them at least of three occasions when in the past, when God had, had uh, punished those who had uh, done wrong. And so uh, he wants them to remember what the apostles said in order that, that they will know that God is going to handle things. But you know what? There's another interesting thing. We're still on this idea of remembering. There's another interesting thing about this word. It's in the passive voice. Now, what does that mean? Well, when something is in the passive voice, it means the subject of, of whatever's being said, in this case, the brethren, the Christians who are there, they're the ones who are receiving the action. Now, now, what do you mean by that? In other words, it was necessary for them to be reminded so that they would themselves bear in mind the things that the apostles had said. In other words... The writing that Jude was doing, 
or the preaching that a preacher does or the teaching that a Bible t- teacher does or uh, the words that elders use to, to exhort us and, and the local congregation, those are necessary to remind us to, to put this, these things at the forefront of our mind. And so it, it's not something, preaching and teaching is not something that's optional that you can just take out of the church. There are a lot of religious bodies today who have taken those kinds of things out of the church and replaced them with entertainment. But this is not, this is not an optional thing. They are being acted upon so that they will act. And this command that, that they're receiving is that they're to be, they are to put it in the forefront of their mind, but this is happening to them. There's someone that's assisting them, helping them along in doing that. And so, as gospel preachers and, and Bible class teachers, we're under obligation from God to be sure that we tell as Paul would say it in another place, the whole counsel of God and put people in remembrance of the things that God had to say. Now, go to the book of 2 Peter chapter 3, verses 1 and 2. And if you remember what we've said about the book of 2 Peter, 2 Peter is longer than the book of Jude, but they're somewhat twin books. They cover much of the same material. And so Peter covers this same idea, this same concept in verses 1 and 2 of chapter 3, okay? And he expresses it pretty well. The idea that Jude says in a shorter space of time and what we've been talking about tonight, okay? Somebody read 2 Peter 3, verses 1 and 2. All right. Notice two things in this, in this passage. Peter says, this is the second letter that I'm writing. Okay. Now, why, why is he writing this second letter? According to verse number one. To stir up their mind by way of remember or reminder so that they will do what? Verse number two. Remember, let's just go back to that. We'll get, all, we'll get to the predictions in a little while. They are to remember. Isn't that what I just said, Luke, uh, uh, Jude said? The passive is used in the book of Jude. The brethren are being acted upon, and the command is that they be acted upon so that they act. They are to be reminded so that it will be at the forefront of their mind. And that's what Peter says. Peter uses two verses where Jude uses one. He reminds them by way of reminder so that they will remember, and they're talking about the same thing. Remember, they're talking about, as Wendy pointed out a minute ago, the predictions of the apostles. Okay, reading from the English Standard Version. And so, again, we've got that idea of preaching, teaching, writing this letter, these two letters, in order to stir up the mind so that they remember, we remember. 
How many times, sometimes, does it take us uh, being reminded of something before it ever sticks? Anybody get it, everything on the first try? Well, some folks probably do, but most of us don't. Sometimes we have to be reminded of things before we ever remember it. And so that's what, that's one of the things that's being said here. Okay, now what are they to remember? We know he's writing to the beloved, to the, to the Christians there. What is he telling them that they need to remember? Simply stated, he says, the predictions, English Standard Translation, the predictions of the apostles. Okay? When you think about a prediction, what's the first thing you think about? What is a prediction? Okay, you tell something about, you know, you make a, uh, you make a prophecy about something in the, in the future. I'm not sure that's exactly the idea that Jude intends to portray here. Uh, the idea that we sometimes get when we think about the word prediction. Anybody have the King James? This word translated prediction comes from two words, and we'll see it in the King James. Go ahead. Okay, the words, that's one of the words that goes into the word prediction. And the words which were spoken before, that's the other part of the word that goes in and is translated simply prediction in the English Standard. New American Standard, I doubt anybody's got it with them tonight, but the New American Standard translates verse 17 this way, but you, beloved, ought to remember the words that are spoken beforehand by the apostles of our Lord Jesus Christ. The idea is what they spoke beforehand. The word words that's used in the King James, translated together with the other word prediction, that word uh, means simply that which has been uttered by a living voice, a thing that has been spoken. And there, there are other words for the word word. Logos is one of them. This is a different word. This one has to do with things that are actually spoken by a living voice. Okay? And generally, it may have to do with a, a, some particular matter or some particular topic. Okay? Now, look at a couple of places where this word is used. Maybe it'll bring to light some of the things that are said. Turn to Matthew 4, verse 4. You don't even have to read this one. You can quote it for me. When the devil was tempting Jesus, there was a statement that Jesus made. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every... Every rhema, every, not every logos, every utterance by the living God. The words that are spoken by God. 
Every word that does what? So that we understand exactly what we're talking about with this word. That proceeds or comes from the mouth of God. He goes on and helps to explain the word, word, that's translated word, by the rest of the passage. The words that are uttered by God. Same word is used in Luke chapter 7 at verse number 1. After he had finished all his, watch this, all his sayings. And there are a number of times in the New Testament when this word that's used here uh, for word is translated sayings. In other words, talking about uh, Jesus when he had finished teaching, after he had finished his sayings, those are him addressing topics or matters, different ones. Uh, look at John chapter 12 at verse 48. John chapter 12 at verse 48. What's going to judge him? The words, the rhema, the things that Jesus, God, has said about every topic, those are the things that are going to judge him in the last day. Now, when we grasp that concept, that it's not just, well, just every word that he said, but what he said about every topic, when we grasp the concept of the word that's used here, there's no room for private interpretation. Are you seeing it one way and me seeing it another? And so as we look at it then, we have that word that's translated word in the King James that is used. The idea uh, of the, the thing that's been uttered by a living voice that generally regards a matter or a topic of some sort. And then we have the second word in that passage goes into the word prediction. Spoken before is the way that it's translated in the King James Version. Okay? But look at Matthew 24, verses 24 through 26. Matthew 24, verses 24 through 26. Jesus said, For false Christ and false prophets will arise and perform great signs and wonders so as to lead astray, if possible, even the elect. See, I have told you beforehand. So if they say to you, look, he's in the wilderness, do not go out. If they say, look, he is in the inner rooms, do not believe it. The phrase told you beforehand is our word. It's not necessarily a prophecy or a prediction in the sense that we, that we sometimes think about it's literally the matters that I told you about beforehand. That's what Jude is writing about here, of what the apostles had said when they were, when they were on the earth and functioning and active. That, that same phrase or word is used in Galatians 1 at verse number 9, and it's, it comes very evident there. 
As we have said before, so say I now again. If anyone is preaching to you a gospel contrary to the one you received, let him be accursed. As I said before, so say I now again. That's not something that, that was a prediction. It's the idea that I said it previously, and now I'm saying it again. And that's what Jude, those words previously said by the apostles, what were the people to do? Put them in the forefront of their mind. Keep them there. Put them up there. Okay? Do you begin to see why I say verse 17 is one of the most important verses in the Bible? It doesn't just apply to the topics and the matters that Jude is writing about here. The idea of uh, of what he says in this particular section, but it it has to do with everything the apostles said. Who were the apostles? I mean, he simply says the remember the predictions or the words spoken beforehand by the apostles. Who who were the apostles? Now, I'm not asking you to name Peter, Andrew, James, John, Philip, Bartholomew, and y'all finish it out. Who were the apostles? Do what? Okay, they're more than chosen. What does the word apostle mean? The word apostle means one who is sent. Now what did did Jesus send the apostles to do? Send these men to do? To To deliver the message that he had given them. His words. And so, delivered that message. Were all of the things that we were to remember, are to remember, the things that that we are to be obedient to, did Jesus address every matter while he was present on the earth? No. Look at John chapter 16, verses 12 through 15. Verse 12, Jesus said to the apostles, I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. But when He, the Spirit of truth, comes, He will guide you into all truth. He'll guide you into all truth. Because He's going to take, I mean, I'm going to paraphrase it. He's going to take what the Father gives me, deliver it to you, and you're going to go deliver it to other people. Okay? So whatever it was that the apostles spoke, where does it need to be? Oh, it's shut up in my Bible on a, uh, in a dusty book on a shelf somewhere. No, I need to put it where it's going to work. And where's it going to work? I've got to get it in my mind. I've got to get it in my, not the blood pumper, but the heart. The psalmist said in Psalm 119, Your word have I hidden in my heart just because I didn't have anywhere else to put it. Right? So that I... Y'all finish that verse. Might not sin against you or thee, depending on which translation you're reading from. That's basically what Jude says they need to be doing. 
putting it up there in the forefront of their mind. Okay? Because why is, why is it important? Because the apostles delivered it. Who were the apostles? Well, they were the ones who delivered the message of God. One more passage. Look at Ephesians 2, verses 19 and 20. Talking to the Gentiles, Paul wrote and said, You're no longer strangers and aliens, but you're fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God. What's the next part of that? Built on the foundations of the apostles, the prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone. All right. Built on the foundation of the... Was it... Why are these people saved by being built on the foundation of the apostles? What does it mean, being built on the foundation of the apostles? Did they kill them and stack them up somewhere? Yeah, the message that they delivered. And so Jude says, you've got to remember, it's, it's not an option. It's a command to remember Sometimes you have to be reminded of it. That's what I'm doing here. Jude would uh, actually in his writing is saying, you must remember, beloved, the words spoken beforehand, the predictions, English standard, of the apostles of our Lord Jesus Christ. Good friends, if we'd remember that passage in regard to everything in the New Testament, we'd get it right. And we'd do it right. Because what did they bring us? What did Jesus send them to bring? When the Spirit came, He guided them into how much truth? Well, how much is it that they didn't give us that was left up for interpretation? None. If they brought all of it, there's nothing else needed. And if they brought it and we're doing something other than what they brought then we're not building on the foundation of the apostles. One of the most important verses in all of the Bible. Now that was just seven, verse 17 out of the book of Jude, a little bitty one chapter book. Okay? Now what did the apostles have to say that Jude addresses that specifically relates to what's going on in the... Uh, matter of the, 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 the church there, the, the Christians that he's writing to. Verse 18. They said to you, when did they say it? When they, were, when they were active and when they were here preaching. And They said to you, in the last time there will be scoffers following their own ungodly passions. In the last times. Boy, I'm tempted to get into this. We've got two minutes left before the bell rings. I, I'm gonna I'm gonna wait because I don't think I can I don't think I can do it justice and get to a good good spot. We got through one verse tonight, but uh, I want you to I want you to think about and I want you to read this passage, and you may have to read it more than once. But I want you to read this passage here, verse number eighteen, and I want you to go back and read Second Peter chapter three, verse number three. 2 Peter chapter 3, verse number 3, these two being parallel passages again. 
And I want you to I want you to come back next week and tell me the difference between what Peter says and what Jude says. There is a difference in what they say, but is there a difference in what they mean? Okay? First Peter or rather second Peter three verse three and Jude Verse number 18. All right, our time is up for tonight. We'll call it quits and we'll allow the...